Inside the IC is sponsored by Microsoft Federal, the choice for classified missions. Welcome to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal on Federal News Network. Now your host, Justin Doubleday. The intelligence community has not been immune to conversations about the future of work. While IC employees have traditionally worked in restricted, sensitive, compartmented information facilities, or SCIFs as they're called, are there ways the work life of IC employees could be improved upon? The Intelligence and National Security Alliance has just published a new white paper reimagining the SCIF life. It offers recommendations for both government and industry employers on ways they could improve both the physical and cultural environments for the IC's cleared workforce. Joining me is John Doyen, Executive Vice President of the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. Hey, John, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Justin. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm excited to run through this white paper here. Some of the recommendations you have are pretty specific and uh, pretty interesting. First, though, what was the impetus behind pulling this paper together? Tell us kind of why you guys decided to do this. Well, one of the missions of INSA, the Intelligence National Security Alliance, is to uh, bring together uh, public and private sectors uh, in a partnership to really advance intelligence and national security priorities. And of, of course, the, a key part of that is the intelligence workforce and addressing issues that impact and affect the intelligence workforce. And um, one of those is uh, the forum we had last week, uh, the new IC, where we look at workforce issues from uh, diversity, equity, inclusion to um, gender issues and the like. And last year, we had a panel discussion uh, in 2022 around this idea of the skiff life. And this conversation arose from the experience that so many people in the intelligence community had during the pandemic, where uh, everything related to work got, kind of got stood on its head. And uh, all of a sudden, employees who are used to five days a week working full-time in a skiff are told, oh no, we need to find ways for you to work from home and still do work, still do valuable uh, work. And so um, we had a discussion in 2022, so two years into the, this whole pandemic era, and we had the discussion around what that meant. And uh, it was such a, a vigorous uh, discussion it led to the idea of, hey, we should write a paper and capture some of these ideas and recommendations. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think the COVID-19 era has challenged assumptions about so many different workplaces and, and how they operate. And, and you know, for the, the IC specifically, how did COVID-19 kind of challenge assumptions uh, about how the IC operates within, you know, the context of skiffs and having to go into these places every single day? Well, I think COVID-19 forced the leadership of these organizations to knock down to some cultural things that have been occurring in these agencies for years, such as there's a reluctance, even if it's unclassified information, there's a reluctance to discuss it in emails that are on uh, the internet, just regular you know, Gmail or a personal email. There's a, a preference to doing all of your work, whether it's classified or unclassified in a secure facility, communicating, whether it's an unclassified or unclassified on a high side email system that's 100% secure up to top secret and beyond. There's a lot of cultural issues around where we're comfortable. 
where there's almost no risk when you're operating in that type of environment of having information spilled. During the pandemic, leadership had to find ways how to reach out and start to engage their workforce in unclassified ways. And from NGA moved really swiftly on this, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, uh, NSA, DIA, CIA, everyone all of a sudden was scrambling. How do we even contact employees who are being told to stay at home? How can we contact them? We don't have ways that are you know, industrial strength for the organization to, to do this well. So that started to challenge the concept that all work needs to be done in a SCIF. And then as the pandemic went on for weeks and months, how can we productively use the time of employees outside of the SCIF to do meaningful work that's still related to their national security job? And I think one thing that's happening right now across certainly the federal government, there's a mandate to bring people back to the office. I mean, within the context of the conversation we're having now, you know, the intelligence community and those cultural and, and actual process things that were challenged during the pandemic and, and maybe upended. Is there some backsliding happening now where they're like, yeah, we did that temporarily for the pandemic, but now we can go back to the way things were? Or are some of these changes going to be permanent, do you think? How, how is this going to move forward within the IC? Well, that's a great question. In fact, that's one of the issues our paper looks at, which is, hey, intelligence agencies made adjustments and they made changes during the pandemic. And as we get to beyond those first you know, year plus, there are some agencies that are looking at those as temporary changes and they're going back to more full-time work, sort of back to status quo pre-pandemic. But there were a lot of innovative things done during the pandemic, and those things brought better work-life balance in some cases, and they, they were of benefit to employees uh, in some cases. And at the same time, mission got done. So how can you look at you know making some of the changes that we were forced to uh, make during the pandemic, how can you make those some of those more permanent uh, and make them you know, available going forward for the workforce and uh, tackling some of these work-life uh, balance issues that are so keen to employ uh, hiring and retention. Yeah, I mean, and that last word, retention, I think is probably so important to so many IC managers. So obviously, SCIFs are going to continue to exist. The IC is now going to go to 100% unclassified telework going forward. That's just not going to happen. But what are some of the ways that this white paper suggests agencies could make the SCIF life a little bit better? Well, we do have some uh, recommendations in the paper. And some of those are, you know, a SCIF, the audience may be familiar, some may not be familiar. You are not allowed to bring a mobile device or a cell phone into the SCIF. You, in some cases, have difficulty accessing unclassified email or, or even internet while you're in the SCIF. And so uh, one of the recommendations is around very practical things of, hey, how can we have more internet zones where the employee can easily go, perhaps take a break during lunch, check some text messages, check their cell phone, have a nice, have secure places for these have a place where you're uh, just to can't store the device, but you can actually use the device where you don't have to go to your sit in your car. That's one example. Um, there could also be ways where, you know, is access to unclassified email should be 
allowed. You need, might need to check and see if your doctor's appointment is canceled or your child's or your a caregiver for your parents. There may be communications that are um, come to you uh, through an internet portal. And you might say, well, there's phones available in the office. You can always pick up and call on a phone. The only way I can re reach my personal care physician is through the portal, online portal, through email. Nobody seems to answer the phone. And so this is where we are with technology today. And we need to make technologies like internet access and places for people to use their cell phone available to employees. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It's not just a matter of being able to you know, uh, check your Facebook, the, the way that the rest of the world has moved is toward online access for so many critical things. And of course, just being able to talk to your family throughout the day for whatever reason uh, can be very important as well. And then, you know, there's also this idea, which is probably a little bit of a longer pole in the tent and brings in the CIO shops and some of the big goals they have, but just improving the technology within a skiff to make it a little bit more similar to what's available in the commercial world is that you know we're talking about using slack before the, we started yeah. this conversation just being able to use uh, the things the software that is available on the outside exactly that's another one of our recommendations is to really look at amping up the technology and the workplace a good example there is um you know there may be cutting edge tools available and easily and readily adopted in private industry but you've got a higher bar. If it's going to be in a skiff, if it's going to be on a secure network, you need to test it out. You need to get authority to operate an ATO through your security apparatus. There may all, you know, there may be other features of these cutting-edge capabilities that maybe require two-factor authentication with a mobile device, and all of a sudden, well, you can't have a mobile device in the skiff. So there's uh, workarounds, and then all, all of a sudden, one of these cutting-edge new technologies that's off the shelf has to be custom reconfigured to be in, in the skiff, and then the cost is too high, and, and there's a lot of issues. So we should be able to find ways to work through these issues, and that's one of the, the recommendations uh, as well. And also, you know, one of the themes of the paper is more and more information uh, is available, publicly available through the internet. How can employees access that? And a lot of times it's to do your mission. And so I've seen people frustrated that they can be at home and they can access fabulous data that's available online, but to get that downloaded or uploaded into a secure network, there's a lot of obstacles. And the mission therefore is you know, negatively impacted um, because we don't have all of the tools uh, available to employees that are available outside the skiff. And again, that's John Doyen, Executive Vice President of the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. We're going to take a short break, but we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. I'm Justin Doubleday, and you're listening to Inside the IC. With the broadest range of breakthrough technology solutions, Microsoft Azure for Government is the choice for classified missions. Build for government agencies and their partners, unlock insights, build new capabilities, and empower collaboration in secret and top-secret environments. Microsoft Azure is built for national security missions. 
combining cloud-native capability with classified networks, hybrid and multi-cloud, to create a developer-friendly platform that is ready anywhere and secure everywhere. Visit MicrosoftFederal.com. That's MicrosoftFederal.com. Welcome back to Inside the IC. I'm Justin Doubleday, and I'm speaking with John Doyen, Executive Vice President of the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. And then, you know, I thought it was a really interesting recommendation around universal device registration, talking about, you know, the medical devices that a lot of folks use nowadays and the fitness tech, of course, you know, the Fitbits, the Mm -hmm. Apple Watches, uh, the I don't know, the Garmin's, whatever. We don't endorse products on Inside the IC, but there's a lot of them out there these days. You know, what, what were you looking at there when it comes to maybe allowing folks to con- just continue to use those devices that are such a big part of life nowadays? Well, for medical devices, there really needs to be some clear guidance. These are you know, from people who have different types of heart monitors or other types of medical devices. They've got to be able to enter into SCIF areas and SCIF workplaces and have the ability just to go in like everyone else and not have to be sent off to a special room for a special scan every time they want to enter or exit the building. And kudos to the IC. I understand there is a new policy that's been drafted related to medical devices, and it's out across the intelligence community now for comment and hopefully will be implemented soon. But that's a key issue. And also the fitness tech. You know, we talk a lot about work-life balance, and we want our employees to embrace wellness and, and have from good mental health to good physical health to uh, good habits. And one simple thing is, you know, those Fitbits uh, devices. And I remember about uh, eight years ago, those were the the simpler uh, Fitbit devices were allowed in the hallways at the National Security Agency, but they were not allowed in the hallways of other buildings, for example, at, at CIA headquarters. So if you went to CIA, you had to remove your Fitbit device. So each agency has its own separate policies. And uh, once again, there should be some way that we can find some technical uh, solutions to this that allow and promote uh, employee wellness and well-being and how we can use these devices that support that and how we can register them and make the employee responsible for a responsible use of these devices. It's an interesting recommendation. Uh, and then and then the other one that's really interesting and has popped up, uh, I think in INSA's work a, a couple of times in the past few years is around this idea of a WeWork for IC employees, you know, uh, classified facil- shared facilities. Um, can you explain the idea there and how that might help advance uh, just, you know, the workplace culture and, and, and accessibility and things like that for the IC? One thing that everybody talks about in the DC metro area after you say, hi, my name is John, and I, you, know, you work here, people say, well, how's your commute? You know, If you're required to drive to a specific facility to do your work because you need to be on a classified network that's in a secure building, I understand that. Um, but what if you could access that same classified network in a secure building that might be closer to where you live, um, and you might be there with colleagues from other agencies um, who are doing the same. This is an idea that's been talked about for a while. We certainly have the technology that can allow us to do this. We should be able to figure out how to actually make it happen. And there's even, um, you know, there's a, can be examples for, for instance, what if you have a house 
and you're down uh, uh, and you live close to Charlottesville, Virginia, and your workplace is all the way up in Northern Virginia someplace, and you need to use a classified facility, perhaps even one day a week, if you could go to you know, a closer, something closer to your house. I know the National Ground Intelligence Center is right there in the Charlottesville area. Perhaps you could go um, do work there uh, one day a week. And it would, you know, it's again, it's, it's an issue of work-life balance. What can we do to help the employee still do their job, but maybe they don't need to be uh, in team meetings and other things where you need to collaborate face-to-face. -face. Maybe they could do that classified work from a, you know, sort of a WeWork SCIF facility. So that's one thing that INSA has recommended in the past. And then there's also a business side of it, which is uh, there are some companies that do SCIF, we call it SCIF as a service, where you have a SCIF facility where a company can come in and use, use the SCIF facility. Maybe they're trying to initiate business with the intelligence community and they don't have their own secure facility yet. Maybe they can make an arrangement to use a SCIF facility that helps open business opportunities to more companies and helps to lower that bar of entry to do business with the intelligence community agencies. But on the per back on just the SCIF life, the personnel side, it'd be great if employees would have some op more options uh, to help them with their work-life balance uh, as they work out, you know, their, their work plans with their supervisors. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense conceptually. And, and it's interesting to hear that it's, it's starting to make some progress, but it's still early days. It sounds like both in terms of agencies allowing that and then these shared facilities. Is that fair to say it's still kind of early on? It's early on. I am unaware and it might be happening someplace, but I'm unaware of where say a DIA employee can show up in a NSA facility and do some work. There may be issues where uh, within the same agency, an NSA employee may go to be able to go to an NSA site closer to their house and do some work, but they're already in the NSA ecosystem. But we don't have necessarily that cross-agency uh, capability yet, which would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if you're a DIA employee who lives up near Columbia, Maryland, you'd rather just drive 15 minutes down the road than having to go down up and down the parkway uh, and around DC every day. That would be, that'd be a nightmare. All right. And then, and then, you know, you mentioned how this paper was kind of born out of a media or a conference that INSA hosted last year in 2022. And there was a follow-up conference uh, this year, uh, just last week, where you had some uh, government folks talking about some of the ideas in this paper. Um, you know, I, I was there, you know, Christina Walter from the NSA's Future Ready Workforce Initiative was on that panel. The NSA is looking at a lot of di these different ideas, which is really fascinating. And, and one thing she mentioned is the organizations within the NSA who responded the best to COVID had really, you know, defined their work really well, meaning, you know, they had defined it as classified on-site or classified off-site, unclassified on-site, unclassified off-site. So, so it sounds like it's really key here for agencies to deliberately think through and define how different, you know, work roles um, need to be carried out going forward. And they can start looking at some of the ideas, perhaps in this Skiff Life paper uh, more seriously. I also was at the conference last week and I had a chance after the after she spoke to talk to Christina Walter. And I, I basically told her, I said, hey, 
I'm really proud of NSA. You guys are killing it up there regarding some of these uh, reimagining skiff life, work life balance issues. And some of the things are small, Justin. There's there's things like you want to have a private conversation, you know. So in uh, perhaps you need to talk to a, a doctor or whatever the private conversation is. NSA, you know, they're they're starting to put good old phone booths, so to speak, in place where you can go, step away, take a break, make a make a personal call from things like that to more uh, to some mission areas like, hey, if you're doing acquisition, you can probably be working a lot of the acquisition and contracts on the unclassified side. So it's unclassified work that could probably be done in an unclassified location. Certainly, a lot of NSA's human resources can be moved to unclassified locations, especially if they're the recruiters. You're not going to be recruiting people who are in clearance already. You're going to be engaging with, you know, uh, prospective applicants, college students, separating military members, and that's all done in a uh, unclassified environment. Why not have unclassified work? And then, of course, NSA's got that cyber collaboration center. Really, is uh, a great example of how you can reach out and set up an unclassified workspace that allows you to engage with the people you need to engage to. In this case, it's all about cybersecurity with big and small defense industrial-based companies and working with them to share information on cyber threats and help to improve uh, everyone's cybersecurity uh, going forward. You mentioned how NGA was kind of out in front when it came to shifting to more unclassified work during the pandemic. It seems like the NSA is really picked up the baton a little bit and is taking a lot of serious uh, efforts to, to, to look more at unclassified work, more flexible work arrangements as they look to do a lot of recruiting over the next uh, few years, certainly. But th there is a flip side of this conversation. This was also pointed out during the panel. And, you know, more telework, more remote work has led to kind of this endless work life where you can never leave your laptop or phone behind. It's always right there in your kitchen. Uh, where you're working every day, uh, whereas with a skiff, you literally cannot bring your work home if that's if that if that's where you do all of your your work. So I, I guess there is e even today an advantage to this the skiff life for folks who maybe just want to put in their eight hours a day and then completely be done. That is true, as you may know. I I worked in NSA myself for 35 years, so I have a lot of experience in the uh, leaving work behind when you when you go home at night. Of course, you keep thinking about what on your to-do list for the next day and stuff like that but you you're not going to be emailing anyone all those emails are on the the high side systems back at work for example so uh, you do sort of leave leave work and and uh it's very rare that you would receive a phone call when you're home because usually if you got a phone call it was that you needed to come back to the office to do something that is one aspect of of the work-life balance but you know that just then also gets into um, setting good boundaries for people who, you know, what's your work-life balance is. Hey, I'm, you know, I might do some work late in the evening for an hour and some emails and stuff, but, you know, six o'clock to eight o'clock is family time. I'm with my children and, and family and we're doing, you know, homework and dinner and things like that. But I might really need me. I might be available after eight for to look at a paper or something. But everyone needs to set their own boundaries. As we talk about, you know, reimagining the skiff life is also sort of another way you could put that is, you know, rethinking our work-life balance as we do classified work. Yeah. I mean, another thing Christina mentioned is how the NSA is bringing back alumni 
uh, to kind of interface with this newer generation that they're recruiting. I mean, as one of those alumni, what, what would you tell people who are, you know, either early on in their careers in the IC or considering a career in the IC at the NSA or wherever else about, you know, what work life is and where it's going uh, for intelligence agencies? Well, I have nothing but gratitude for my years uh, and my career in the intelligence community. And I would tell anybody that's considering uh, uh, a similar type of career that it's some of the most rewarding work that you can do with people who are passionate about serving the country and keeping people safe. And they're some of the smart, NSA in particular, some of the smartest people I've ever met. You know, we've got from, from the linguists to the engineers, to the computer scientists, to the security professionals, whoever it is, so dedicated. And there's a purpose of mission that is infectious. You, you don't want to don't want to leave. Absolutely. I mean, and then to just put a, a stamp on this conversation about the skiff life, reimagining the skiff life. What are you watching going forward? How do you see these, you know, both process and cultural changes unfurling here as we move forward with this conversation? Well, I think we go back to this, this, you know, something that we hear so many agency directors talk about, you say, what are your top priorities? And they might say, you know, a couple of, you know, China or, or, you know, cybersecurity, but then the next thing they're going to say is our, our people, our people are one of, it's one of my top priority. And if you want to recruit and retain uh, the workforce today, you're going to need to have a whole package that I think that addresses some of these work-life issues and really reimagines the skiff life from what it was 30-some years ago when I was hired. It's what I think people expect. They expect flexibility and they expect access to their mobile device. I mean, there's some really basic things here. How can you make that work and still get your mission done and meet the needs of uh, new employees today? If you don't have better policies in place to address some of these issues, you are not going to be able to talk to a whole segment of the prospective hiring population. So yeah, you'll probably still have lots of applicants that want to come work, but there's lots of super talented people who may not even give you a look because there's some of these barriers are in the way. All right, John Doyen, he's Executive Vice President of the Intelligence and National Security Alliance. John, thank you for your time today. It's been my pleasure to talk to you today, Justin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Inside the IC on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your shows.